Whenever um, you talk about, like, great teams in history, you know, whether it's the Lakers or the Celtics or the Yankees or the Red Sox or the, you know, UCLA Bruins or whatever your favorite teams are, um, you have to talk about great players. You, you can't talk about great teams or great dynasties without some of these power players that have been throughout history. When you talk about great periods in American history and people who helped us get through and navigate through some, some tumultuous events, you, you, you've got to think about George Washington. You've got to think about Abraham Lincoln. You've, you've got to come up with, you know, Harry Truman during World War II to, to decide to drop the bomb or, or Ronald, a Ronald Reagan uh, with the Cold War with Mikhail Gorbachev. So gr- great, great teams have great players, right? They do. They're, they're, those dynasties, you can go, oh, Kobe Bryant, okay, oh, LeBron James, okay, Babe Ruth, okay. So, so great, great periods in history. You begin to think about great presidents that we've had, great companies, companies that are like built to last, wonderful companies. Um, there have been some phenomenal, powerful CEOs, CFOs, COOs, right? Those are people who've done that. When it comes to the Christmas story, I mean, I think you know the Christmas story. It's the same story every year. Do you know the Christmas story? (laughs) Same story every year. You know, there are some powerful players. And usually during this time, we start mentioning some of those power players like, you know, Zachariah and Elizabeth. They were old. And all of a sudden, they get the visitation, and he does the visitation by the angel in the, in the temple. That's a cool story. And then they have John the Baptist. And this whole thing kind of gets started again. Or, or power players, I mean, you got to mention Mary and Joseph, right? I mean, Mary and Joseph are definitely power players. I don't want to do that today. I want to talk about three different power players during the Christmas season and how that affects your life today. Now, the first power player is a man named Octavian. And Octavian was the nephew of Julius Caesar. I see this is a crew that skipped world history. All right, this is good. So Octavian was, was adopted by Julius Caesar in 45 B.C., and what happened then is Julius Caesar, you remember this, the Brutus thing? You remember Brutus? Okay, okay, stabbed him. And, all right, so Julius Caesar gets murdered. And then for the next 13 years, Octavian is fighting for control of the Roman Empire. And Antony and Cleopatra, you remember Cleopatra? Okay, you've seen movies of Cleopatra, right? Okay, so Antony and Cleopatra then, they come after Octavian with 500 warships. Now, this is 2,000 years ago. 500 warships, 100,000 foot soldiers, and 12,000 horsemen. So Antony and Cleopatra, 500 warships, 100,000, uh, 500 warships, 100,000 troops, and, and 12,000 horsemen. They come after uh, poor Octavian, and he wins. Octavian wins. And he then becomes the sole ruler of the Roman Empire. And Rome ruled the world. Rome had been a republic. 
And this man says, I am so big and I am so bad, I'm going to give myself a new title. You know Octavian as Caesar Augustus, right? In fact, that's in the scriptures. Let me just show this to you because Octavian's not in the Bible, but he is in the Bible. In those days, Caesar Augustus. And so Octavian names himself Augustus. And Augustus means sacred and exalted. And these guys are always very humble. I am sacred and I am exalted. And I am Caesar Augustus. And I'm going to flex my political power, my political might, and I'm going to order a census of all our land. Now, my friends, that's the world into which Jesus of Nazareth was born into. Jesus was born 1,500 miles away from Rome in the province of Judea, in, in, around Jerusalem. And so 1,500 miles away, this guy named Octavian, Caesar Augustus, said, I'm going to flex my muscle. I'm going to make a decree. And I want everybody in all my provinces to register, and they're going to have to pay a little more taxes, and I want to know who my military might is. Now, think about this. Here is Caesar Augustus, 1,500 miles away, flexing his might, and he's just a pawn in God's story. Caesar Augustus is sacred. I'm exalted. He's just a pawn. How else do you get a nine-month pregnant woman to ride a donkey for 80 miles? Right? That's the only way this is going to happen. In fact, the reason we know he's a pawn It's because the prophet Micah said this is going to happen hundreds of years before this. Look at what Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler over Israel. It's an 80-mile trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem. I think this is hilarious. You got the big, bad Caesar Augustus, and he's just a pawn in God's story. So the first power player, he's a Roman. His name is Octavian. He calls himself Caesar Augustus, sacred and exalted. The second power player is Herod the Great. Now, Herod the Great was born um, to an Idumean man and to a, the, the daughter of an Arab sheik. He's not even fully Jewish. And so everybody hated Herod, but Octavian loved him. The reason Octavian loved Herod the Great so much was because Herod the Great was just like him. He was ruthless. He was mean. And he would rule with an iron fist. And both Caesar Augustus in Rome and and now Herod around Jerusalem raised all kinds of money. Look at the next verse of Scripture here. Here's about, about King Herod. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea. So Herod became friends with Octavian during a civil war. The Jewish people had an uprising, and Herod squelched it. Herod put it down. And very quickly, 1,500 miles away, Octavian goes, I like this guy. Let's make him king, and he's going to answer to me, but I like him. And so then Herod made tons of money for Rome. Herod built these wonderful palaces, beautiful buildings, expanded the great temple. And what that allowed people to do is people traveled all over the world. Tourism was in. And they made all kinds of money, Herod did, for Caesar Augustus. So number one, number one power player here is a Roman. 
His name is Octavian. Say Octavian. Octavian. His name is really Caesar Augustus. Say Caesar Augustus. All right, so he's a Roman. Number two, it's a Jewish man, and the Jewish man is King Herod. And the Jewish people didn't like King Herod, but Octavian loved him. All right, number three. Number three is not a Roman. Number three is not a Jew. Number three is a heavenly being. Number three is this amazing angel named Gabriel. Here's this part of the story, great part of the story. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And when, he, when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, staying at the right side of the altar. Now, now, now don't, don't miss this. 400 years, God's been silent. That's a long time. 400 years, there's been no movement from God. Malachi ends with the spirit and power of Elijah coming back. Now we're going to have John the Baptist through Zechariah and through Elizabeth. But just think about this. It's been 400 years since God has spoken. All right, look at the next verse. When Zechariah saw the angel, he was freaked out. Okay, the next verse. But the angel said to him, this is Gabriel, do not be afraid. Zechariah, your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Let me just ask this question. If you're old, and you've been trying to have kids, and you can't have kids, and you're well past childbearing, how many of us in this room, if we were lighting up the incense, how many of us in this room would have said, oh, I knew this day was going to happen? I had no doubt. Anybody in the room have that kind of faith in the room? There were two people in first service, and we sent them both to the psychiatric ward. (laughs) I mean, we're all in this, right? We're all going, are you kidding? Are you kidding? This is amazing. So so the angel now gives a speech. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before them in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And so this is how the book of Malachi ends with, you know, the spirit and power of Elijah coming back. And so now we're back in Luke talking about it's going to be John the Baptist. John comes in the spirit and the power of Elijah. All right, look at the next couple of verses. Zechariah asks the angel. He's talking to Gabriel. How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I love this. It's like, dude, are you kidding? I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Well, how can I be sure? I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Don't miss that. I don't know anybody that stands in the presence of God, do you? I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, Zechariah. And I'm telling you, this is what's going to happen. I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this really good news. Keep going, Dan. Drop down to verse 26. Six months go by. Elizabeth now six months pregnant. Again, here comes Gabriel. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Okay? 
The angel went to her and he said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, and she wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, again, this is all Gabriel, folks. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How can I be sure of this, Mary asked Gabriel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered her. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. We're going to spend all next week on that one verse right there. Next week, don't miss next week. We're going to camp out on this. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born to you will be called the Son of God. Now, Herod's dynasty ends poorly. Augustus, Caesar Augustus's end, his reign ends, but this reign is going to last forever and forever. His kingdom will never end. There's a lot of power players out there today, aren't there? I mean, just think about the power players in our culture. You know what we all do? We all look for and we all listen to somebody. The question this morning is, who's your power players? Who are the power players in your life that you are looking for and, and listening to? What, what do you value? What do you raise up more than anything or, or anybody else? Well, I think a lot of people value success. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. None of us want to be failures. We don't want to be losers. We want to be successful, don't we? And so maybe, maybe we look to or we look for a Warren Buffett, and the Warren Buffetts are kind of what you dream about, and you spend more time dreaming about him or his success or something, something else. Or maybe it's political power. Maybe for you, what you really look for and look to is, is political might. And if, and if you're of the Democratic persuasion, you would look to the president, you would look to Harry Reid, you would look to Hillary Clinton, you would look to Bernie Sanders. If you're of the Republican persuasion, yeah, don't clap, don't boo, just don't, don't breathe. Just let me get through this illustration, all right? If you're the Republican persuasion, all right, you're going to look toward maybe Paul Ryan, or you're going to look to the 5 million people right now who are trying to be the Republican nominee, right? I think there's like 14 left. I don't know what this is. But, but the point is, do you look to political power? Is that your go-to? Is that what you're looking for or, 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 listening, or listening to? Maybe I love sports. I think you know that. Maybe you're just a sportsaholic, and your whole life is built around sports. I mean, there are two quarterbacks right now in the NFL that are getting the job done. I can't believe I'm about to use Tom Brady as a positive example. (laughs) But Cam Newton and Tom Brady, they're getting it done, all right? They're both getting it done. I mean, you, you, and maybe that's what you live for. But that, that's, those are the power players, you know, or maybe it's somebody famous. Adele or Blake Shelton or Taylor Swift or, you know, somebody. You just, you, 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 love, you, you love all of that. You see, the problem with all that is 
eventually who's powerful today is no longer powerful tomorrow. You ever thought about this? We name our children Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Peter, Paul, Mary, Elizabeth, and we name our dogs Nero and Caesar and Herod. That's funny to me. Isn't that funny to you? We name our dogs after Caesar Augustus. I'm sacred. I'm exalted. Come here, Caesar. Quit biting your sister or whatever, you know. It's hilarious to me. And you think about, you know, wealthy, successful people, they they die. Sam Walton died. Mr. Flagler, Mr. Rockefeller, great, I guess great guys, but they died. They died. And, And there will come a day when, you know, I can just see the day when my grandchildren, you know, are going, now Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, I know they were athletes, do they play hockey? Were they hockey players? And, and, and Babe Ruth, oh, yeah, I think he made a candy bar. I mean, I mean, all those people fade into history eventually, don't they? Now, contrary to what everybody in Memphis thinks, Elvis is still dead. Elvis Presley is dead. Now, if you know this or not, but in Memphis, they have exhumed Elvis's body three times. Three, this is a fact. I'm not making this up. Three times they've dug up the poor bones of Elvis Presley. Leave the guy's bones alone. Let's just let him lie there and rot or whatever, okay? They're they're, going to die. Who's the power player in your life? Have you got anybody better than the one who said, I'm going to lay down my life, and in three days I'm going to raise it back up again? Is there a better power player in your life than Jesus Christ? Is there a better power player than the one who walked on water? The guy's walking on water on the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the night. Is there somebody better? Even the centurion said, surely he was the Son of God. And God said twice, this is my beloved Son, once at his baptism, once at his transfiguration, in whom I am so well pleased. Have you got a better power player than Jesus? If you do, let me know. Because there isn't somebody better than Jesus. So, why don't we spend a whole lot more time and a whole lot more energy reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Why don't we spend a whole lot more of our time immersing what Jesus said and immersing ourselves in what Jesus did? Why don't we kind of like get our minds and our hands around the things that Christ taught and the things that Christ was was all about? That is the power player of your, if a guy can say, I'm going to lay my life down and I'm going to raise it back up in three days, I'm going with that guy, right? He is the greatest. And you know what else? He's crazy about you. That's what's so amazing to me. He is absolutely crazy about every single one of us in this room. And he loves us deeply and dearly. And he went to the cross when he didn't want to go to the cross. He shed his blood when he really didn't want to shed his blood. But he knew it was the only way for you and I to have our sins forgiven and to be in heaven forever. That's the power player of your life. That's the one that you want to go with.
I was uh, in a restaurant just this end of this last week, and it was right after the San Bernardino um, shooting. And um, these two guys in this restaurant, I call them the grumpy old men. They're just, they, they don't go to church. I've, I've invited them about 5,000. Well, that's an exaggeration. I've invited them about 12 times. I'm trying to get them to come to church. And they're, they're like the odd couple. Do you remember the old movie, The Odd Couple, with Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau? This is, these guys argue about everything. They are the funniest two old, grumpy old men I've ever met. So I go into this restaurant, and they're arguing over gun control. There are, the shooting just took place the night before, and they're arguing over more, once, more, once for more gun control, once for less gun control. They call me Rev for some reason. I've been called worse, but they call me Rev. And so they said, Rev, where do you stand on this issue? More gun control or less gun control? I said, guys, that totally misses the point. The point's not more gun control. The point's not less gun control. The point is the condition of the human heart. And I said this. I said that only Jesus can change the heart. He's the hope of the world. And you guys both need to get that together. (laughs) They just kind of looked up at me, you know. I can talk that way to them. We're we're very, very good friends. But, but, But where's your heart? Jesus is the hope of the world. There is no other power player than Jesus. Nobody else can change the world. Jesus changes your, your spirit. We're going to talk about that ne- next week as well. A couple of uh, weekends ago, it was either Friday, I think it was a Saturday, it was a Saturday morning, um, we got in the boat, and Danita and Ethan and I got in the boat, and we're getting ready to go out to, to an island. We take our, take our dog with us. But let me back up and tell you the, the back story. So we had a golden retriever for about 13 years, and uh, her name was Chessie. She was a great golden retriever, and about two years ago, we're at Caladesi Island uh, with our good neighbors, the Harringtons, and, and they're with us, and Jamie and Lindsay are with us. And then we've got a bunch of little kids, and our golden retriever got bit by a rattlesnake, and she died that night. Bad story. The only good part about that story is that the rattlesnake did not bit one of Jamie and Lindsay's three kids. They got four now, but there were three kids at the time. So we wait about two years. Two years go by, and I, I was asking Danita several times, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? Two, like two weeks. And we were, the day before Christmas, she calls me up. I didn't know it was a setup. The day before Christmas, she calls me up, and she said, well, I know what I want for Christmas. She said, I, I want a new golden retriever. I said, that's great. We'll talk about it, you know, blah, blah, blah. I said, it's wonderful, you know. And I'm busy. You know, you should never say that's great, you know, and not really listen to your wife, you know, when, when she's talking to you. And, and so I get home, and, and so Erica, Ethan, and Emily, they got some, you know, I think we went to some Thai restaurant someplace, you know. Well, I didn't know it was a setup. I didn't know they'd already picked out the dog. I didn't know they'd already made a deposit. I didn't know the whole thing was signed, sealed, and delivered. By the way, the next morning, we're all going to Orlando. And I said, okay, great. You know, I've been set up, but I'm okay with this. So we go, and we get the dog, and, of course, she's a little puppy. Now, two years later, she's right at two years of age right now. And so uh, two, two Saturdays ago, uh, it's kind of rough out there, but that never seems to bother us. We don't care. And so we're anchoring, you know, the bow and the stern anchored Caladesi, and we're just past the break of the wave. It's a pretty good break. And so Ethan's got the paddleboard out there, and he's actually surfing the paddleboard into the shore. And so Denise's got the dog. Our new dog is Lila. So we've got Lila out there, and we're having a great time. Well, Ethan then decides that he's going to try to get the dog on the paddleboard. 
Well, the dog doesn't listen to Ethan. The dog doesn't really listen. I mean, the dog's great, and she listens. She likes all of us, but she loves Danita. I mean, I pity you if you come into our house, and Danita's there, you know. This dog will eat your lunch. In fact, my father-in-law, about two months ago, was in the house, and he was, like, shuffling his feet, and the dog thought that my father-in-law was, like, going to attack Danita. And this dog pins its ears back and starts growling. I thought, this is going to be great. The dog's going to bite my father-in-law right here in the living room. And I didn't say that out loud, but internally I'm going, this is going to be a Holy Ghost moment right here. Praise the Lord. I love that dog. Anyway, anyway, she called the dog off, okay? So, so Ethan's out there two weeks ago trying to get the dog on the paddleboard. She won't come on there for nothing. Danita, one time, she said, Lila, jump. Lila jumps up on that paddleboard. This is the exact moment this happened. She said, Lila, jump. And she said, Lila, stay, stay. And for 30 minutes, this wonderful golden retriever that almost bit my (laughs) father-in-law, did I mention that? Uh, She's on the paddleboard and just with, she will go anywhere with Danita. Why? Because Danita's the master. She listens to Danita. You know what John says? In John chapter 10, verse 3, he says, my sheep listen to my voice. My sheep, my sheep hear my voice. Let's have that scripture verse, please. John 10. There we go. The sheep listen to my voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. My friends, why not listen to Jesus? Why not embrace Jesus? He's the greatest power player who has ever lived, who has ever existed. Why not put all the things that Jesus, why not read over and over and over again, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Why why not? He's the greatest power player who has ever lived. Matthew teaches us that. Matthew chapter 1 verse 19 says this. Because Joseph, her husband, was a faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he would considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. That's what Jesus came to do. And so, again, I don't know where you are today, but there are four quick things I want to put on the screen. This is what Jesus can do and will do for your life. Here's number one. He'll forgive your sins. Do you need your sins forgiven? Maybe you've never, ever confessed Christ as the Savior of your life. Maybe today is your day to say, I need to get my life right with God. We're going to have prayer partners down here in just a minute. And these prayer partners will help you and aid you and assist you in how you you do this. Number two, maybe you're a Christian, but you need to repent. Maybe you've gone off the reservation for a while, okay? You are a Christian. You gave your life to Christ. But really, you know you're not living in the center of the fairway of God's will right now. And that's your opportunity. So you repent, you change your mind, you change your behavior. I'm going to live for you, Jesus. Number three, 
I need to be reminded his kingdom will never end. This is a kingdom that will never end. Caesar's ended. Herod's ended. ISIS will end. Al-Qaeda will end. All these other kingdoms will end. But not the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Not the great I am. His kingdom. Maybe I need to be reminded of that today. That he is the great one. And then number four, maybe I need to help other people. Maybe I need to assist other people. I'm going to give the two grumpy old men one of these invite cards. We've got invite cards on the way out. It's to invite people to the Christmas Eve service. How hard is this to do? Take five or six of these and invite the people around you. We've got four services, two, four, six, or eight. Invite them to come just to help people with the power player in all of history. Will you stand with me? I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come down front. And again, maybe one of those four or two of those four is something that is next for you, is something that you need to embrace within your life. We want to encourage you today to give your life to Christ. I can't think of a better decision that you could possibly make today. You are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. You are more powerful than any Caesar, more powerful than any Herod. You created the angels. We worship you today. We bow down to you. You're the great I am. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. God bless you.